<laughs> Welcome to the Soko Show. <laughs> this. <laughs> Did you do that, or is that a sounder? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a sounder. That's a sounder. This is the voice of Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Cohansson. No. Let me be clear. Scarlett Cohansson. I'm joined as always by Seth Ott. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. I had no idea that was coming. That was great. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um great stuff. <laughs> That's we usually we usually have some story to tell or something witty to say at the beginning of the show. Nope, just this. Ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> the ding ding thing is what kills me every time. <laughs> Yeah, that, that one's right on your funny nerve. I like it. Um, what do we got? It's, it's a, episode. It's a weird it's a, sound. It's episode eighty nine, and we are excited to be bringing it to you. We got a ton, a ton of stuff to talk about. We got a lot of movie news. We got a whole shitload of reviews. We're gonna check in on Cody's big old movie adventure, and we got the TV corner coming back as well. Uh, we're gonna continue with uh, our April is the MCU month with another MCU related Mambo number five. And uh, all sorts of funny and probably goofy shit in between. So we're just going to get right into it today. Uh, Let's start like we always do with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Sometimes a few words can sum up the wisdom of a thousand. Go fuck yourself, jabroni. Mm. That's deep. That's a deep chic. It is. Deep chic tweet. Say deep chic tweet fast. Deep chic tweet. Ah, you fucking did it. You win. (laughs) (laughs) Iron Sheik's slinging around that wisdom. Uh, It's been a couple weeks now that he's been, I think he's feeling philosophical. Since his birthday, he's feeling like he's really got to get into the deep shit. So Uh, if you're not already following Iron Sheik on Twitter, you can do so at the underscore Iron Sheik. And if you like any of the Sheik tweets and want him to feature them on our show, then uh, go ahead and retweet him at us. Quote him at Seth O'Water at Soko Show Pod. Uh, He's the guy that picks the tweets. So... Uh, we got to keep plugged into the Iron Sheik, and uh, this week, the 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 words of wisdom are "Go fuck yourself," as is as is pretty common. I call you a punk. Let's give a shout out to our sponsors. First of all, AudibleTrial.com/soco. You're going to get your first 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Booyah. We got uh, what do we got next? Mathis Designs. <laughs> you can find them at. Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all of your graphic design and stationary needs. Pull! And Mike's Wood. Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. There it is. That sounded like a vampire orgasm is what that one was. <laughs> that was exciting. Um, speaking vampire of... Or, is, is a vampire or, orgasm where you can't see it in a mirror? Oh, no. I, uh, that's... Yeah, well, that's, I don't even, yes, maybe it is, I don't know, yeah. vampire orgasms going on, maybe that's our show uh, show title today. Before we move into our uh, video game news, uh, we got to pick out our code word for this week. So with our code words, uh, we're going to switch it up just a little bit, make it a little more interesting for you. Uh, first of all, we got to put a limit on Seth, because <laughs> he's trying to guess every word is the is the uh, the code word. So we're going to give Seth, is it he's Seth? Got, 
It is not, see, this is the thing we're trying to prevent. <laughs> we're going to give Seth three tries. He's got three attempts, three official guesses at the code word over the course of the show. Uh, also, I, uh, I will be trying to slip in the code word more than once throughout the show to give Seth multiple opportunities. So um, we'll, we'll see if he's able to get it. This week's code word is malarkey. Malarkey is the code word this week. Let's see if Seth can get it. All right, Seth, the world knows the code word, but you do not. We'll see if you can it's guess it. Don't easy. forget, you got three tries, so you got to let me know when you're making an official guess. Uh, oh, I'll let you word. know. Oh, you'll let me know. I'll, okay. I will ring in with a <laughs> ding ding. There you go. <laughs> ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fucking ding ding that gets me every time. <laughs> Oh, you're going to hear a lot of that sound today. Uh, let's see. What do we got next here? Let's get into a little bit of, I think, very exciting video game news. Video games. Wow. So the world is always kind of clamoring wow, for a Star Wars game. And we've been getting Star Wars Battlefront for the last handful of years. Uh, I think a welcome... I've enjoyed them. They haven't gotten fantastic reviews. Some people haven't liked them, but EA has been putting them out. I have enjoyed the games. I think they've been very fun. EA is putting out another Star Wars game this summer. It is going to be called Star Wars Fallen Order. And this it sounds summer. this summer. And it sounds like it's going to be kind of more Jedi focused, right? So in Battlefront, you're kind of a foot soldier. It's more of your Call of Duty kind of shooting style. Uh, Fallen Order, it seems like just and it's been very limited what they've what they've put out, but uh, the game is going to be more fully revealed at Star Wars Celebration, which is going on currently. Ooh. As of the release of this podcast, Seth is going to be in attendance, so you might get to see some of this. Well, I'll be uh, in Chicago. Jared would be the one, actually, at the convention. So. Mm. At Jared Buckendall. Yeah, Jared yeah. and uh, Jared and Seth are going to be there for uh, all the fun Star Wars stuff and all sorts of other shit. Basically, um, hopefully we'll have lots of cool stories uh, from that next week. One of the exciting things from Star Wars Celebration is going to be uh, the announcement and hopefully more details, an unveiling of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So this could be exciting. I, I'm, I have no idea what it's going to be about, but it's been a while since I swung around a lightsaber in a video game. So I, I'm excited for this. Seth, I know you're a little bit less of a Star Wars fan than me, though. Where are you at for a Star Wars game? Are you open to something like this? Or are you still waiting to see, you know, some footage? If it's more Jedi focused and more like lightsaber focused, kind of more of like a, you know, third third person type thing. Um, I'd be more into that. I'm the first person shooters to begin with. I'm not super into. Uh, in Battlefront, I've tried it out, not my thing. But this one, if it's more story based and more, uh, you know, like of a of a action, you know, like just your standard third person RPG type of game, um, I'd be into that. And I, like the the Force Unleash is what that was called back mm-hmm. in the day, right? That I played, I played the first one of that, and I really liked it. So um, yeah, I, I might give this one a shot. Yeah, Force Unleashed was pretty fun. Uh, I I enjoyed. I didn't play through all of it uh, the first game, but I did kind of dabble in it and it's it's cool i mean it, it, it we talked last week about the hulk ultimate destruction game and uh you know if you're if you want to have a power trip which why else would you play video games <laughs> force unleashed is a pretty fun one to, to do that in. so uh more to come probably next week after we get more details but we are looking forward to star wars fallen order uh, hopefully coming very soon moving from star wars to another huge disney owned franchise of movies uh, we're going to move into yet another MCU-related Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. So the five. month of the five, the month of Marvel continues, and we have yet another MCU-related Mambo number five. Last week, 
we did our favorite uh, powers or abilities. Uh, this week, we're going to keep it in the realm of the super, uh, but we're going to be talking about MCU gadgets and weapons. So these can be magical or, or uh, artificial or whatever the hell gadgets you want to use. Um, but these are our favorite gadgets. So uh, un- unmarried from the character who uses them, um, these, these are our favorite, our favorite gadgets and weapons. Are there any qualifiers we need to put on this before we start? Um, I put a few of them together, like an overall type of weapon. And then no infinity gauntlet, because that's clearly the most powerful weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can just snap your fingers and dust half the people on it. So that seemed to be a little unfair. That would, should that would be number one, I think, in most lists. So we excluded the Infinity Gauntlet. There we go. Infinity Gauntlet doesn't count. Let's see what our top five gadgets and weapons in the MCU are. Number five. My number five. Uh, I think you brought it up. I don't know if you edited this one out or not um, last week, but uh, you, you might have brought it up. I don't know. We talked about it last week anyway. Yondu's arrow. Oh, the yeah, that thing is sick. Whistly thing. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea for a weapon, like, because it can, it's controlled by a whistle, <laughs> which is interesting. But it's clearly a powerful weapon. I mean, he took out fucking hundreds of people in the second Guardians with it, so, which is a really cool scene, especially if you're watching it on uh, HDR. It's very <laughs> colorful. No, it's, it's it's just interesting weapon. It's it's clearly got some power to it because it's very quick and kills a bunch of people. And the show kind of is, is one of those things you have to master to control because the the his uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but at the end of Guardians two, uh, someone takes over the the uh, the weapon takes takes over the. Oh yeah, I don't the know the char- I don't know the character's name, but it's James Gunn's brother that yeah. plays that character. Yeah, and he can't really control it. <laughs> Yeah, but he's going to learn and probably, you know, be part of it next time. But anyway, it's 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 cool. I, I like it. It's a fun little weapon. So Yondu Zero, number five. That's a good one. I didn't include it on my list. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I went a little bit obscure with some of mine. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping we have kind of different ones. Uh, so at, at number five here and you're, you may need to correct me because I don't know if this is considered more of a character or a gadget. But I went here at number five with Doctor Strange's cape. I, I think would that's, say that's it's like an artifact weapon. Yeah, yeah, weapon that counts, right? Thing. So yeah, I'll give you that. The thing I like about the cape is that because it, it's not horribly useful, except for it makes him fly or whatever. But it seems to have like a personality of itself. And uh, I haven't yet gotten to Doctor Strange in my big old movie adventure yet. Uh, but I am looking forward to returning to it. But one of the things that I did enjoy about that movie was the the way they used the cape and had it like, you know, he would slap away someone's hand, you know, and it seemed to have a little bit of an attitude and it was very funny the way they used it. And then it also proves very effective in, you know, uh, when they fight Thanos, they use it to prevent him from closing his hand. Uh, he, he fights off it fights off some, uh, some characters in the Dr. Strange movie. So uh, I think the cape is something that's very cool and it's got a little bit of attitude that, that I like about it. Number four, my number four, I went with, Captain America's shield. Now, I, I like this thing, especially, I, I like it more in the later movies because it's become more of a weapon than it was. Um, and he's able to now, like, bring it back to him mm-hmm. and stuff. And he's it, like, latches on and stuff. I, I've always liked it. And I think that this, I think his shield, the the weapon part of it, has dated back to the Cap- the Avengers video game on Super Nintendo. It was always fun to fucking whip that at people and have it bounce back and stuff. Um, I've always liked that, though. I, I like the the kind of ricocheting type of weapon there. So just kind of simple. Uh, it's, the simplicity of it is what I enjoy. I mean, it's not not a great, like, 
protective thing because <laughs> it's i mean it's just a you know just a basic shield I, mean, I know it's made out of vibranium or whatever but um I, i've always liked it for the the abilities to you know like it's like a boomerang in a way it bounces off people's faces and you can catch it and stuff so yeah shield it's pretty sick. It was it was the highest of my honorable mentions, uh, so I'm glad that you okay. included it. The thing, as I'm going through the the first you know few uh, movies of the MCU, it it's pissing me off that he doesn't yet have the ability to draw it back to him. I think mm-hmm. they add the magnetic thing in maybe Age of Ultron. I think is when they add it, and mm-hmm. he doesn't have it yet where I am in the MCU, and it's pissing me off because he keeps having to go <laughs> get it, and I'm like, just yeah. zap it back to you. <laughs> So, uh, but I love watching him just jack someone in the head with that fucking thing. It's pretty fun. Yeah. My number four, if I wasn't going back through the MCU right now, I would have forgotten this, but it is an awesome thing. I don't know how to call what to call it, but I, I refer to it as the audio paralyzer from the first Iron Man movie. So this is something that, um, Oh yeah. Jeff Bridges character uses and Mm -hmm. it basically emits a sound that paralyzes a person. Uh, so if that wasn't already the name, I feel very smart for coming up with it. Um, <laughs> this scares the shit out of me. When I first saw Iron Man, it scared the shit out of me. And when I recently watched it last week, it scared the shit out of me. The idea of being paralyzed absolutely terrifies me. And especially <laughs> if someone can just push a button and make you that way, that is horrible to me. And so while most of what we're going to have on these lists are like, yeah, great. We're glad the heroes have them. This is more of a, don't let the villain who has this thing around me at all. Cause that, that thing is horrifying and super useful. If you could amplify it, you could win a fight in two seconds. It'd be awesome. What if What if you just predicted the future and that's how they defeat Thanos? That would be, you know, I'll be, it, it's going to piss me off a little bit that they don't try that if it doesn't happen because it, it, it's, it's proven very effective against other characters in the past. It would kind so. of make sense because it's a weapon from the first movie in the MCU. So yeah, it would be, I mean, I'd be stoked. You know what I want them to do is get for them to actually get the the thing from from Kick Ass where it, the barf it makes people like barf and <laughs> barf and poop or whatever. Um, <laughs> they can do that to Thanos. I think that well then uh, Ant Man's gonna get shot out of him if he has the diarrhea. That's true. Number three. Number three, I put as it might be a, a can kick uh, the web shooters from Spider Man. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and kick that one. All right, let's go to my number three. And you're going to notice a little bit of mine, a little bit of my list. The middle part is is weighted toward the early MCU movies because I've just watched them. I went with number three with Hawkeye's quiver and arrows. Mm. And especially in the Avengers is mostly what I'm talking about because they don't really show him doing it a lot in the other movies. But in the Avengers, they show him he has a dial on his quiver that changes the kind of arrow he's using. And his trick arrows are so fucking cool. And the scene, the Battle of New York, when he's, he's, you know, using all the different trick arrows to shoot all the guys is so cool to me. And, uh, Hawkeye's a badass. Like it's, he's, he's been watered down over the course of the, but in, in Avengers, when he's using that thing to switch his arrows out, it's awesome. And it's super quick and elegant and smooth the way they use it and the way they shot it was very cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was very sweet and it, it allows him to have, to be more effective than he otherwise would be as just a guy with some arrows. I like, yeah, I, I do like it. It's, uh, you know, they, they kind of do that in like arrow too, where Oliver has different, you know, uh, different heads to it and stuff that mm. explode or, you know, can turn off electric, turn off electricity or whatever. But, and yeah. I don't, I don't know how they do it in arrow, but I think th- I really appreciate that they show the quiver 
and yeah. show how he's doing that because they could just show him shooting arrows that are doing a bunch of shit, but that, that mm-hmm. they went out of their way to show you what was happening, I think is part of why I appreciate it so much. Yeah, no, that's that's a cool scene. Number two. Number two, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a cheat, but it's kind of all-encompassing, is Iron Man suits. Um, I, I would kick you down the road, but this is where I have him as well, number two. You're at two? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly a very powerful thing because you know he's he's he has pretty much everything under the sun on it. Fucking basically has nukes in it. Fly. He's very not indestructible, but very uh, very armored, very shielded. Yeah, pretty much anything you want out of a gadget is in that. Yeah, my favorite thing, and and I I specified this on my own list, but the the trick suits that he has, especially in Iron Man two and three, that mm-hmm. that get on him in an interesting way. Right, so in mm-hmm. Iron Man two, when he's got the suitcase version, and then in Iron Man three, and I think in the Avengers, the one he can jump into, like out of the, mm-hmm. it'll catch him out of the sky, and then they have also the one that'll shoot because he's got the implants in his arm, it'll shoot onto his body. Uh, mm-hmm. That's big in Iron Man three. I, I like the ones where they come on him in a tricky way, uh, except mm-hmm. for in Infinity War. I hate the nanobots. I think that's bogus. <laughs> I do not like the nanobots, but every other one where, cause I mean, the sickest part about Iron Man is watching him gear up. And so mm-hmm. when, when he gears up in a way that's kind of creative, I, I love, I eat that shit up. Number one. Um, or I know what your number one is cause, uh, <laughs> you already kicked mine, but, uh, also because of duh, <laughs> my number one though is again, kind of a cheat, but it's two and one. Uh, it's Molnir and Stormbreaker. Fuck. Yeah. I'm so glad you had them. <laughs> couple of reasons why I like both of those. I, I know we just mentioned that the Iron Man suits can do everything, but this can kind of do everything, too. <laughs> You're just not indestructible in it. But uh, super strong weapon. I, like, of course, like Thor is Thor and what Vision are the only ones and who've, eh, I guess, uh, Hela picked it up, too. But like that was kind of a cool thing in like the first couple movies where they're all together is is like you know, Captain America tried picking it up and he couldn't do it and that type of stuff. He moved it a little bit, but he couldn't get it. Like that was always a cool little thing I thought in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's super strong. You can fucking fly with it. You you, you know, wave it up and fly, which is cool that they like didn't make Thor just be able to fly. Like he actually has to use the hammer, which is right. cool. And then like Stormbreaker now, which is the reason, another reason why I love that one is um, you can, it has a Bifrost built in. So he doesn't have to have the Bifrost anymore. It's like he can fly wherever he wants to go with it. He can transport wherever he wants to go with the Bifrost. So I, I love that thing. It's the, the they're and it's clearly the Stormbreaker is clearly like the second most powerful weapon because it almost killed Thanos. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like it. I, and, and Stormbreaker, I love Mjolnir too. Especially, the thing I like about Mjolnir is that he'll set it on stuff to prevent it from moving Yeah, because no one yep. can pick it up. I love that. In the first story, he does that to Loki and it's awesome. Stormbreaker is worthy of the number one spot just because of the one shot from Infinity War where they show up mm-hmm. and and the the theme is playing and Thor has has gotten it and they start wrecking all kinds of ass with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, and let's not forget that the the handle of it is Groot's fucking arm. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I I really dig those. I had him as an honorable mention because I, I I was almost certain that you'd include him on your list, so I left him off mine. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do love those. Thor Thor is awesome, man. I, mm-hmm. I just I love Thor. Let's see. Yeah, number one, uh, we kicked it down the can. We kicked the can down the road for uh, your web shooters earlier. And uh, anyone who listens to the show knows Spider Man is the best. 
not not that my opinion is Spider-Man's, but he is the best, factually, objectively. And the web shooters are what allow Spider-Man really to do mostly all of his stuff. Um, I like the way they've used him in the MCU too, because as much as I disliked the suit with the AI in Homecoming, I dug what it was, what it gave him in terms of web shooters, because it it gave him some variety, kind of like Hawkeye's quiver does, like we talked about a second ago. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool because. He, he plays more like a video game because he's got that kind of variety. And the Spider-Man video game that came out uses a lot of the same gadgets. So I like the MCU's web shooters because, they again, they, they allow him to change it up a little bit. But mainly, I mean, even if you went with the OG standard web shooters that only let him swing, he can swing. So that's that's all you need. That's that's number one. And I think, I, I know you wanted to get cute and put him lower on your list, but I think we can agree that objectively, <laughs> objectively they're the best uh, best gadget. No, I still like Molnir more. Molnir would smash those fucking web shooters in a second. Not if he couldn't catch them. Oh, he could catch them. He could just fucking. Also, M- Mirnir got smashed by fucking Mirnir, but Stormbreaker hasn't. Well, you said Mjolnir, so I said both. Different. I said this. I said slash Stormbreaker. Mm, so I'm glad we could agree that the web shooters are number one uh, <laughs> this week on Mama. So I had a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Ant Man suit. I think yep. that was one that was that was one of yours as well. No, yeah, um, it's honorable mention. The the ability to be small and still have the strength of being big. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty fucking cool. I like the way that works. I wasn't sure on this one either, but uh, the AIs, so Jarvis and Friday. Mm-hmm. Again, I wasn't sure if they would be includable as gadgets or whatever, but I really like yeah. them and everything they bring to the table. Red Wing, which is Falcon's little guy that his little drone. <laughs> That goes around and has guns and stuff. And I mainly because I like the gag in Civil War where no one else will call it Red Wing. And he, it's like his pet. I just think <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And then the last thing the last thing I had, and I just thought of one to add. Um, so I have two more. But um, Winter Soldier's Jesus. metal arm mm-hmm. is pretty fucking cool because it makes him strong as hell. That's pretty much all that is. But then mm-hmm. Black Panther's suit that allows him to gather yeah. energy and then blast it out. That's a pretty sick feature. And I thought they used it really cool in Black Panther. And a good metaphor for masturbation. I, yeah, I guess. Because <laughs> it allows you to shoot your pain all over your enemies. Yeah, because there's a lot of kinetic energy built up. That's because the, the thing is kinetic energy. Like, that's what, that, that's, that's how they explain it with science in the movie. And you're building up kinetic energy when you're, when you're masturbating. And then, and then when you release it, a powerful uh, energy is emoted. So, there you yeah, go. I, nothing better than just building up all that kinetic energy and then... Hell yeah. Finally, finally, after a while, just... And, and it's a huge mess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jesus Christ. That's going to do it for this week's MCU-related Mambo number 5. Thank we had our favorite gadgets and weapons. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number 5. <laughs> we're going to get a lot of use out of that sounder. I think so. <laughs> Let's move forward. We got a couple of news, a couple of pieces of news from the world of TV. That's what she said. So we've been hearing about the Disney Plus streaming service for a while now, and uh, we got another another bit of info in terms of what we can expect to be showing on Disney Plus, and this I thought was an interesting one. So Monsters, Inc. and Monsters University, of course, the Disney Pixar movies with Mike Wazowski and, you know, Sully, and <laughs> uh, apparently they're going to be getting a series on Disney Plus. And one of the exciting bits of news on this is Billy Crystal and John Goodman are going to reprise their roles for this series. And this is this is one of those things where it's kind of right on the line between me caring or not. Cuz mm-hmm. I really liked Monsters Inc, but I didn't watch yeah. Monsters University. 
and but I, I do believe in this as a series. I think it could be very cool. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on this? Is it something you're going to watch, or, or what do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the I like it. I, I'm I'm a big fan of monsters, the monsters universe. <laughs> I guess you could call it. Um, I, I've enjoyed I enjoyed both those. What was it? Just Monsters Inc. and Monsters University, or was there a second I think, Monsters? I Inc.? think it I think it was just the two. Okay, that's what I thought. But yeah, I like both those movies a, a lot. The first one a lot more, of course, but. I did like both the movies. Um, I'm glad that the original, like, if, if they would announce this and been like, "Oh, it's these two actors that aren't John Goodman and Billy Crystal," that I would I wouldn't care. But because the original people are coming back for it, and uh, you know Disney's going to be putting money behind it like they are a lot of this other Disney Plus stuff, uh, I'll if I end up getting that service, which I sh- I think I will at this point with all at least with all the MCU stuff that'll be on there, that's something I'll check out. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm in agreement. And who knows how much they're going to steer it for kids and how, how, you know, it may be too much for kids for me to enjoy. But this is something I'm definitely excited to check out, especially because you don't ever get to see Billy Crystal and stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to see some more Billy Crystal. Another another universe of sorts is going to be expanding into a new series as well. Uh, Seth, what, what else do we got from AMC here? Yeah, another uh, Walking Dead show. Uh, so they've already they're already doing the Fear of the Walking Dead and current Walking Dead. They're planning a third series. Uh, which is going to be based around the younger kids now. I think it's, I don't know if they're going to do a flash forward or what, but uh, they got a lot of kids who've been born now in the uh, Walking Dead universe. Of course, I, I talked about Judith in my in my review, who I hope they don't take her away from, you know, the current thing. I, my hope, I guess, would be they do kind of a fat flash forward a little bit more and, and have her be like an, a teenager or whatever, because I really like the girl who plays current Judith. So I hope they keep that all in the current thing and then maybe flash forward for an older Judith with, you know, some of the kids now. But um, yeah, I, I'll watch it because I can't quit things. <laughs> and uh, again, I liked I liked the season of The Walking Dead. Fear of the Walking Dead, I, I enjoyed more this last season. Uh, that starts up again in June, so I might have more of a op- different opinion then. But uh, yeah, I I like what they're doing, and uh, I'm I'm kind of getting back on the Walking Dead train, so I'll check it out. Yeah, they've gotten sounds like with this latest series, they've gotten a little bit more of their appeal back uh, with some of the original fans, and I I think having this be young kids could be a, a an interesting way to kind of shift the focus a little bit, right? I mean, kids mm-hmm. are going to have different issues than adults. I, this is this is kind of an interesting idea for me I'm, it's, I'm probably not gonna watch it because i don't really i'm not into the walking dead but it sounds like something that could be very cool could also be very terrible but yeah. uh, do we know do we know when we're expecting it to come out i don't think so i think they're all still they're they're still kind of planning everything out with i know with some of the actors leaving and then like they're planning on doing those rick movies so yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see what what happens there they gotta wait for all those infants to age i guess <laughs> i don't know if you deserve uh, that one <laughs> We got Monsters and Zombies this week in TV, and uh, a very different uh, TV show is going to be the subject of this week's TV Corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is crazy because I know that this is, this is at least the third time you've done a TV Corner about this show. Which makes me feel very old (laughs) and makes the show seem very old. But I know it's a show a lot of people are still watching. I've been interested to hear how it's held up. Uh, A lot of hype after season one. I don't know so much about season two. Tell us about season three of this, uh, this, this big hit show. This is Us, season three. Just finished up last week. 
So yeah, so the, this the the third season was a lot more focused around uh, Randall and Beth, who is his wife, Randall Sterling K. Brown, kind of around them. They're, they've kind of taken over as really the the main focal point of the show. Uh, Randall is now, I think, at the end of season two, he had he had uh, talked about running for a city council seat type thing um, in Philly. And so this season is is really the culmination of that and then bleeding into how that affects uh, his uh, relationship with, with Beth and kind of as a father and stuff like that. So that's the main focus. Uh, the other storylines around like the, the big three, which is Kate, Kevin, and Randall. Kate is, uh, I think at the end of season two, they... they um, revealed that she's pregnant and I think and then season three is kind of her dealing with that pregnancy now and and the effects of that uh, with her and Toby and then season or sorry then Kevin is at least the first part of the season looking for Jack uh, has a brother that they kind of show the end of season two and him searching for the brother and then also dealing with like sobriety and things like that and also a new relationship. So there's a lot going on in season season 3. Not a lot of like flashbacky stuff cuz they've they've really dealt with that that season 2 is more focused on the flashbacky stuff with with uh Jack dying and all that, uh, showing Jack's death. And so season season 3 a lot more of the the flashback stuff is to more support the current stuff. I guess there was a lot of flashback stuff with the Jack uh Jack's brother. They did go back and forth a lot there. That was really the first half of the season. Once you get past that, it's more of like a supporting supporting role for the flashbacks and then to kind of drive some points home. As a whole, though, I thought, again, very solid show. Um, I'm glad they, they went back to focusing on focusing on the current stuff and really focusing on Sterling K. Brown and, and Randall and Beth's stuff going on there. Randall's my favorite part of the first season, and I kind of thought they got away from him a little bit in the second. And he's clearly the best actor on the show, like hands down. He is he's so fucking good, Sterling K. Brown. So I'm glad they focused more on him and gave him the majority of the the time on screen this season. And uh, and his and the the person who plays Beth too. She's she's incredible, and and their relationship is really the the heart of the show. And and throwing in some different dynamics in there was that was may not have been the best in terms of like how you feel like the, the, uh, their relationship kind of took some ups and up and down. So it, it worked well with the show. Like the writing was done well and acting and all that. But you know, in terms of how you can feel about the characters, it it's, it's hard to watch, but it, it also pays off and, and things like that too. So really solid show. I, I liked it a lot this season. It's it hasn't really had much of a lull. I mean, of course, I mean every show, especially if you have an eight. This is eighteen episodes. There's going to be episodes here and there where you're not as into it, but um, still a show that I look forward to watching every week, and um, is one of the shows that I watch, you know, within the first couple days of it airing because I, I, I look forward to watching it every week. So this season, I'll give and like off last week. Um, this this is more of just an even playing field for. I, I'll give it a four. God, I don't know. There wasn't really anything that super defined it. Um, <laughs> 4.0 ding dings um, I'll hit it four times if you want sure do that I can't think of anything so there you go <laughs> okay you say you, you say you say you're gonna give it 4.0 and I'll hit it four times alright I'll give it 4.0 <laughs> <laughs> 
listeners hate it already. I love it. <laughs> uh, 4.0 so, yeah. ding dings out yep. of five for This Is Us season three. I will say, um, for This Is Us and for The Walking Dead, which you reviewed last week, I am glad that it's staying good. Right. Yeah. Especially with This Is Us, because so many people watch it and it really took off in its first season and was going to be tough always to follow that up. Um, but it seems like they've done that stupendously with the, the couple seasons two and three. So uh, yeah, to have it still be at that level of four zero, not as high maybe as season one, but still mm-hmm. very, very good. Yeah. And, and like I said, this this 4.0 is is more of a consistent thing. Like where's The Walking Dead, I thought. Like I said last week, the first half of the season was kind of mediocre, but the second half was incredible. This is more of a even 4.0, or it's just consistently good to watch and and enjoyable. And uh, no matter like what the story is, the acting is all around really incredible. But watching Sterling K. Brown every week do his his Randall stuff is is outstanding. So he's he's worth the price of admission alone with this. There you go. Sterling Sterling K. Brown, certainly a boss, definitely owns one of my oh. favorite SNL sketches of recent memory. <laughs> um, but I, 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 he's going to get more work. Um, yeah. The, the last thing I saw him in besides uh, This Is Us was, I think, Hotel Artemis. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that at all. But yeah. um, that was a bunch of fucking malarkey. That movie sucked. Sterling K. Brown leads the way in This Is Us Season 3. You can catch it on, is it ABC? NBC. 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 Seth recommends it this week in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts a baby in the corner. All right, let's switch it from the world of TV to the world of movies. And before we get into news, let's get into, uh, let's get into a little bit of fun quote, uh, quote stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, t- I tried to talk myself into a smooth transition, and I did not. So I'm just going to say, let's, let's do making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Seth has a quote from a movie. I need to guess the character and the movie in which it was said. What do you got for us this week? This week, your quote is, Hey there, Miss Money Pussy. <laughs> Want to jump on my jetpack? <laughs> Oh, that's a great, I love this. I'm about to go two for two or two in a row. Uh, This is from, this is Paul Rudd's character, Peter. I think his name's Peter from I Love You Man, which is one of my favorite comedies all time. You got it. (laughs) Hey there, Miss Money Pussy. (laughs) Why don't you jump out of my, out of my dreams and into my car? That's Dude, if you don't love Paul, who, by the way, happy birthday, Paul Rudd. Uh, he turned 50. 50 this past week, He's... which he is, he has got, he is the hottest 50 year old since Jennifer Aniston, probably. Right. He, it's, they're one and two. It's insane. Like he looks like how... he's maybe he, I mean, he could pass 30. as 35. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. When people said he's 50, I'm like, that's not right. Like on both levels of like, he doesn't look 50 and also it's, that's not fair. That he can look like that. I fucking I I've been losing my hair since I was twenty one. Like <laughs> he yeah. he looks younger now than he did when he was thirty. Like that I, I actually saw a picture of like it was side by side of like him at like thirty and him at fifty and he looks younger now. It's weird. It's it's funny how money keeps you young. Yeah. Um, but uh, man, 
He, uh, you know, we don't do this often for, for, for men, but, uh, Paul Rudd, you, you can absolutely get it. <laughs> I stand by that. Uh, Paul Rudd's sexy as fuck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and he's now 50 years old. My, I, I love Paul Rudd. I love all of his movies. My favorite movie of his though still is I Love You Man from like mm-hmm. 10 years ago. That movie is incredible. <laughs> it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. In fact, let's do this. Oh, within no. within the making the quota segment, I'm gonna go ahead and give I love you, man. This week's retro recommend. Here we go. I'm almost certain I've done that before. So if if you haven't seen I love you, man, I think it's on Netflix right now, mm-hmm. and you may be able to go see it. Let me confirm that. It looks like it's not on. It's not on Netflix anymore, but uh, find it, pay for it, whatever you got to do. Jesus Christ. Watch I Love You. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I'm trying to recommend people a great film, Seth. How about I if lo- you're telling people to watch I Love You, Man, and they have to pay for it? Why don't you, why don't you buy it for them? Why don't you rent it I for I will them? buy it for them. If you haven't seen I Love You, Man, message me. I will pay for you to watch I Love You, Man. There you go. Last time I said this, no one took advantage. I can't remember what the older, what the old, was uh, it The Matrix? I think it was Matrix. I think Dan tried to do it to you, but... Like as a fucking liar, and he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Uh, do I have a sounder for something like that? I don't think I have any negative sounders. I wish. I, oh, oh, here we go. I don't. know. I think there's one more. I got one more. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's nasty. Was that uh-uh. it? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> what about this? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no, that's not it either. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? i forgot about that one are you are you talking i'm not i'm not going to play the rectal exam one is that the one you heard you were leaning toward you know which one it is i don't know which one it is yeah you do um what? That's awesome, bro. That's not a positive. No. Oh, you want you want fucking this one? <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh <laughs> uh, well. Anyway, don't lie. But if you actually haven't seen "I Love You, Man," let me know. Uh, tweet at me at underscore Cody Michael to get a hold of me, and I'll make sure you get to see it one way or another. "I Love You, Man" I- is this week's retro recommend. I think you have actually you have paid for it before for me, or at least you've you bought it and then we've watched it. You might have already owned it. Um, yeah. But we've watched it before. Yeah, the first time I watched it was only a few years ago. Yeah, I think I remember that. Great movie. It's honestly, seriously, one of my favorite comedies of all time. And Paul Rudd is awesome. Uh, all this spins back to uh, this week's Making the Quota. What was it? Um, uh, Miss Money Pussy. Hey there, Miss Money Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you jump on my jetpack? I'll give you $20 to yell that at a woman at the bar this weekend. Oh, no. I don't do that. <laughs> What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Booyah! Let's keep it in the realm of movies. We got a couple pieces of news. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movie. Movies. We got some pretty cool movie news this week. Some stuff I'm pretty excited about. First of all, we got to mention, uh, we talked about it last week, Avengers... Endgame is crushing all pre-order records. Uh, basically, I mean, you can't find a seat to this anymore, at least not in my theater. Uh, and I know in, in your theater, Seth, and Cedar Rapids, uh, it's the same. Unless you want to sit in the front row corner, 
Uh, you're not getting to see Avengers this this weekend or this first weekend that it's out, uh, April 26th, unless you've pre-sold your ticket. I think the previous record was held by was it a Star Wars movie? Yeah, Episode Nine. Episode Nine, no, not, not episode nine, nine, Seven. Episode Seven yeah. had held the record, but it just got just rolled by mm-hmm. by Avengers in like a day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if you don't have your tickets to Avengers yet. Keep trying, I guess, but you're not going to be able to probably see it opening weekend. Uh, but th- there may be more theaters opening up more showings as the date gets closer. Uh, mm-hmm. But as of right now, uh, it's already setting records and it's not even coming out for another two weeks. So I think this is going to be an exciting box office run for Avengers Endgame. Sticking with the world of the MCU, uh, we've been talking at least a couple times. We've talked about the Black Widow upcoming uh, standalone film for Scarlett Johansson's character, Scarlett Cohansson's character. And uh, <laughs> we just found out that David Harbour uh, of, of Stranger Things and of the upcoming Hellboy movie is going to be joining that cast. And I, I don't know what kind of character he's going to be playing, but I do love David Harbour, and I know you're a fan as well, so I'm assuming you're psyched to see him in the, uh, in the MCU. Yeah, it should be interesting. I don't know. I, I don't have that that much of an opinion about it, to be honest. But I like I like David Harbour. I, I think it's cool that there'll be a Scarlet uh, Scarlet. I almost said Scarlet Witch movie, um, Black Widow movie. The cast is is filling out well with with him and Florence Pugh and Scarlett Johansson, of course. And I'm sure like Jeremy Renner will probably pop in or something. So uh, yeah, should be fun. I'm excited, uh, but not that excited. Interest interested. <laughs> I, uh, I'm pretty stoked for this too. And yeah, like you mentioned, the cast is filling out pretty nicely. It looks like they're going to start filming in June of this year. So we maybe maybe get, they haven't announced any release dates after Spider-Man, but, uh, we may get this as early as next year if they are already filming. So, uh, look yeah, forward did, to the uh, Black Widow movie. They did. Kevin Feige did say that they have a five year plan already. Like they, they have everything mapped out for five years for Marvel or the MCU. And uh, he, I think he just said this the other day at CinemaCon or whatever. And then uh, he did say, too, that, like, legally they couldn't write anything for, like, Fantastic Four or X-Men or anything like that uh, until the deal was completely done. So they're not even factored in just yet. I'm sure they'll get, like, at this point probably written in certain places or at least, like, kind of introduced in a way or mentioned and stuff like that. You know, post credit scenes or whatever. But... uh I mean, they they still they're they got a lot of plans. I know they're they're starting to go into more like the space stuff, the cosmic type of things with the mm-hmm. Eternals and all that stuff. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, they got uh, they they got more characters to play with and stuff now too. So, yeah, I, I'm okay with being patient for the X Men and not rushing them in. But uh, it's so crazy to me to think that Feige is still. If I were Feige, I would I would mic drop and retire after Endgame. I don't know how he's still doing this stuff. It's got to be taxing, but he is he's still plugging along, and and that's you know as much as anybody maybe besides Stan Lee, I think the MCU is pretty much owed to Feige. So cool that he's sticking around. He's got another five years. It's insane to think about, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they're they are rolling on. You mentioned the X Men, and one of the movies that I was very excited that was supposed to come out last year was the X-Men movie New Mutants, which was going to be a horror, kind of a haunted house featuring some mutants, scary movie, which uh, is set to feature uh, one of the guys from, I can't think of his fucking name, the geeky guy that's the older brother of Will. Uh, Charlie Heaton is the actor's name. Uh, he's in it. Anya Taylor-Joy is in it. And then um, 
one of the one of the actresses from Game of Thrones is also in it. And I was very stoked about this, you know, comic book meets horror, superheroes kind of thing. And then it got delayed because of the Fox deal. And we don't know how much of that delay was because the movie sucks or not. But we did just get word this week that the New Mutants will be getting a theatrical release. And it's expected in 2019, but we don't have an official date. I know, Seth, that you you were less optimistic about New Mutants than I am. But uh, knowing now that Disney has probably seen it or seen parts of it and is still going to put it out, does that change your opinion at all? Yeah, I don't, like, because they're still, like, I know some of the stars of the movie were supposed to come back for reshoots and that never happened. And so, I don't know, I, at this point, I think they're just releasing it to get money because it's a done movie and they can get money for it <laughs> um, and it has a name attached. You know, I'll, I'll probably see it. Like, I'm more excited for that than, like, a Dark Phoenix. I don't care about Dark Phoenix at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, honestly, I don't know if I'll go see it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I just don't really care. And they don't matter at this point now because they're all going to get recast and these stories are going to be retconned or not even retconned, just ignored. Like if, if Dark Phoenix comes out and it doesn't get good reviews, I'll skip it. Um, if New Mutants comes out, comes out, doesn't get good reviews, I'll probably skip it. At least that's an interesting and different take on all this. Right. So that'll that'll be fun and maybe down the road they get mentioned in like a deadpool or something who knows but because deadpool is still going to happen in in its own separate universe which that's a completely different thing like thinking about a lot like the characters that were in deadpool's universe are going to be different in mar in the mcu but but that's neither here nor there but uh yeah i mean it, it just at this point now it's like if it's a good movie i'll check it out if not i don't care anymore I guess I'm just really hopeful that this movie is good because I was very excited about it in the first place. Uh, You mentioned Dark Phoenix, and I have been, I think I've been a little higher on X-Men than you in the past, but I got to agree with you on this one, man. I do not give a shit about Dark Phoenix at all. Mm -hmm. Like, the the only reason that I, I'll go to it, I will, and most of it is because Sophie Turner can totally get it. (laughs) But other than that, I'm, I'm not. And I think some of the latest trailers that they've released for Dark Phoenix, I think, give some pretty big spoilers that I won't talk about here. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I do not have a lot of faith in that movie. And it doesn't seem like anybody does. That may work in the movie's favor, though. If it's any good, then it'll be a shock to everyone. So it mm-hmm. may be that it blows away our expectations. But, yeah, the X-Men universe totally in flux. But we've got apparently these two left, uh, Dark Phoenix and New Mutants, still yet to come out before uh, before they move over to the MCU. So we'll keep an eye on that. I don't think we could be moving further from the realm of superheroes than to talk about this next story. Uh, There was an Instagram photo posted of Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan this week. (laughs) And they were holding up the number four. Uh, Seemingly, not officially, but seemingly, the speculation is that they're teasing that Rush Hour 4 is now in development. If this is true, which again, we don't have confirmation of, I am stoked. I love the first two rush hours. I think these two, these two work super well together and I would be very excited to see another one. Where are you on this? Oh, hell yeah. I love all, you only like the first two rush hours. You don't like the third one. I didn't know there was, a, I forget. I, I you know, now, that why I'm do you think they're it. holding up a four? <laughs> now that I think about it. Yeah. Of course the four follows the three. I like Jesus them all. Christ. And admittedly, I don't know what is from what move. They all seem like one movie to me. Yeah. So I, don't, I couldn't tell you the difference between well, any of them. Yeah, yes. they're all the I, same I should, movie. <laughs> I should fix what I said. That was a bunch of malarkey a second ago. But the, yeah. the first three rush hours are excellent, and I'm stoked for the fourth. Oh, hell yeah. No, I'm definitely in. I'm excited for rush hour four. I, uh, I'm i down. It. I mean, they're dumb, fun movies. So I'm down for it. I will, uh, I'll check that one out. 
Yeah, if we're going to be continuing like old crap from like the the late 90s and aughts, Rush Hour is one I'm super open to and I I'm stoked for this. I'm inter- I will be interested to see cuz they make a lot of like Asian racist jokes in those movies <laughs> and I'm interested to see what they do going, you know, uh how they, you know, do or don't change that going forward. That'll be the thing I look out for. But I haven't seen Chris Tucker in ages, so I'm stoked for him. And Jackie Chan, we saw him in The Foreigner a year or two ago, and I really enjoyed that movie. I thought some of the action that he did mm-hmm. it was really great for him being fucking 90 years old or however he is. So <laughs> uh, We'll keep an eye out for Rush Hour 4, but uh, the entire team here at the SoCo Show is pretty stoked for this one. Seth, I'll let you do this last one. This is a movie we've been talking about for a while. Is the word stoked? It is not stoked, no. Okay. That's your one. That's one of your guesses. Okay. Um, We've been talking about this next movie for a long time, and we finally officially know when we're going to get to watch it. Yeah, we finally get some word on Under the Silver Lake, which is supposed to come, was supposed to come out like July of last year. Uh, they are just uh, now instead releasing it on VOD on April 22nd uh, instead of a theatrical thing. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely not an Oscar uh, caliber movie at this point. I think it premiered at like one of the festivals last year at some point and came out to some mixed reviews, but... Uh, yeah, if you want to check it out, comes out April 22nd on VOD. This is one I'll be definitely checking out, um, mainly because of just the cast. Like, Andrew Garfield, I, I try to see everything Andrew Garfield puts out. I've missed a couple things, but I, I really like him. Uh, Riley Keough, is, she's just very pretty. And uh, Topher Grace in this as well. And there was a lot of buzz around this movie early. It's, 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 I'm, I'm just morbidly curious to see what this movie is like, because... How did it go from being, you know, a, a, it seemed like a festival darling early on to now it doesn't even get a real theatrical release. I'm I'm so intrigued to just see how this comes out. So I, I will definitely be watching it in a couple of weeks on VOD. And I'm I'm not pissed that I, I don't have to buy a movie ticket to see it. <laughs> we still probably still have to pay $7 to watch it on, online. That's fair. Yeah, that's going to actually piss me off. But um, yeah, Under the Silver Lake. Finally coming out on video on demand in the next couple weeks. Uh, We can expect that. Give us the date again. Uh, April 22nd. April 22nd. So keep an eye out for that one. All right. That's going to do it for our movie news this week. Uh, Let's check in on my big old movie adventure. (laughs) (laughs) So this month, the month of April, as we have mentioned before, is MCU month, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And each week of this month, I will be watching a phase of the MCU. So over the past seven days, I've been watching phase one of the MCU. Seven days. Which, seven days. Which uh, I'm going chronologically through the MCU. So I started with Captain America, and then I had Captain Marvel, uh, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Incredible Hulk, Thor, and uh, Avengers. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to go back and watch these. And I would recommend it if you haven't yet. Um, because... You know, the opinions that I had formed about Thor, for example, are from like 2011. And it's been a long time and my taste in movies have changed a lot. So I found myself in a lot of these movies enjoying them more than I did before. I will specifically point out Captain Marvel. I went again to this in theaters. And here's what I'll say about Captain Marvel. I stand by all of the things I said before. I I, I, I think the criticisms I had, while maybe overly passionate were still valid, but uh, I did enjoy this movie much more the second time. 
Um, I think it's funny though that that you you put a caveat in there and you're like, my tastes have changed, and and then you're like Captain Marvel, I enjoyed more. Your tastes have changed in a month. <laughs> well, besides that, and and so I'm speaking more about like Thor, for example. I've never given I've never <laughs> given much credit to Thor in the past. I really like Thor. I watched it just the other day, and I really enjoyed it. I love. The Asgardian and the the Nordic mythology, the, all the way the way that all of that lays out is super interesting and cool to me. And I never gave a shit before, but I really enjoy it now. I know Thor is a very small story because it really only cares about that one little town in New Mexico, but I think it works. And I think Thor has a nice arc that really you know would go on to continue through the rest of his movies. You know, even though Natalie Portman eventually is going to disappear, I really enjoyed her in this. Uh, all the supporting cast is great. Kat Dennings is hilarious in this. And I don't know if you knew, did you know that Hawkeye is actually introduced in Thor? Yeah, he... Yeah, when, actually, yeah. It's very when, brief, isn't it? It's super brief. But when, when Thor goes and beats up all those guys to try to get Mjolnir out of the mud, yeah. he, can't, he can't get it. Yep. Hawkeye's there. And He's like up I, in a tower thing, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I completely... I was like, holy shit, is that Hawkeye? So... And I love Hawkeye. So, uh, really enjoyed Thor. Captain America and Iron Man. I think I think those two were probably my favorite of the origin movies uh, across the MCU. Captain America, dude, that gets me. And I know I know you're not into the origin movies, and you're probably a little less high on Captain America specifically. But that gets to me, dude. The the little guy, you know, with the big heart, and he gets all big and beats up all the, and kills all the Nazis and stuff. Like that gets to me on a different level than most of the MCU does. So I really loved going back to that one. Iron Man is. So, so far, while I'm watching all of Phase 1, I'm also ranking them. And Iron Man right now, of all Phase 1, holds my top spot. I, I uh-huh. honestly, it's very hard to beat Iron Man to me. It's I think uh-huh. it's it, it's as close to a perfect superhero movie as you're going to get. Yep. And it sets up some stuff. It sets up his character super well. He, he starts his arc that, that goes over the entire MCU, but he starts it in Iron Man. The action is great. The CG holds up very well, which is amazing mm-hmm. to me from 2008. I, Iron Man, easily the top of those, f- followed quickly by Avengers because Avengers is so great, dude. Like, mm-hmm. when it came out, it was this big phenomenon that everyone loved and I I was, as I want to do, uh, lower on it than most people. I was like, okay, it was fine. But when I go back to it now, today, I'm like, that is actually a really well put together movie. They're dealing with a lot of characters laughing at now what they're doing today but they're dealing with a lot of characters who who all have important scenes in this one and they're layering the way they layer the battle especially in new york in this with some characters on the street you got hawkeye on the roof and then you get some people in stark tower and then other people are flying around like the way they layer it and the way it's edited to make it all seem like one battle the whedon josh whedon pulled off a miracle with that movie and i think everything afterwards owes itself to avengers and so Avengers is fantastic. I'll, I'll just say that. Phase one is interesting to me because this was back when other studios were kind of involved. I think Paramount was heavily involved at this point. Universal, Universal. owned. They owned um, Iron Man at least. And I don't, I don't, I think they might have owned uh, Hulk. They very and well might have put out Hulk. Yeah. I think they put out Hulk. I know they put out Iron Man for sure. The first one. And yeah. then that's when the Disney, uh, shortly after that's when the Disney sale went through and they were able to get those back. Yeah. So it's interesting to go back to those. And I, I will, the, the cool part about phase one, because of that whole shift and because they were still trying to figure themselves out, 
it seemed to me like they were giving a lot more leeway to the directors at that point. And so each of these movies is very different from one another. They've got mm-hmm. very different moods. The scores are all super different. They have a different look one to the other. Uh, especially I'm thinking like Hulk and Thor have very, very specific, you know, kind of footprints that they work in. Thor is shot like in this, you know, it's, it's Kenneth Branagh. So it's, it's this hyper elegant Dutch angle, two thirds of the time, you know, very fancy way. And, 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 and Hulk has its own kind of more gritty, like early aughts, um, psychological thriller kind of the way that it's shot and then iron man is is more gritty than what we saw from the rest of the mcu but each of them is very just like you can see a frame see a frame from any of the movies of phase one and know what movie it is Mm -hmm. and i know that phase two and later on especially as you get toward the last couple years of the mcu they really start to homogenize and look like one another and so it's nice to go back to the time when they were actually very different and it seemed like they fit each character individually more with the cinematography and the score and the, just the way that the movie was around the action. Um, now they all seem pretty much the same. And that's fine too because the the same that they look like is all pretty cool. But it was interesting to go back and see the differences between each movie um, and the way that they, it seemed at the time very loosely uh, tied every, every movie together. But if you're really paying attention when you go back through these movies, there are a lot of touch points that you can you can you can relay from one movie to the other that are very very minor and it's super cool to see the way that 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 minor details kind of flow through the entire mcu even at that early stage is very cool to think about and watching them in in the mcu's chronological order not of release but of the the events of the films is super cool too because you you get to have everything revealed as it should have been right so uh I'm really enjoying this movie adventure so far. I think it's been super fun. A couple things I'll note. Uh, I don't think The Incredible Hulk is very good. So far, it's last place in in my phase one. By that same token, I think Thor and Iron Man 2 deserve more credit than they get. I'm okay with them being in the lower portion of the MCU because the MCU as a whole is pretty good. But I think they deserve more credit than they get. Um, the next movie on my list, um, I I've done Iron Man three. My next movie is Thor, the dark world. So I'm interested to see whether or not I think that deserves more credit, but I think as on the whole phase one deserves more credit than it's gotten, especially because it, it, it's really the basis on which everything else is built on. Um, and I think that like, you know, going, getting to go back and see Chris Hemsworth before he was Chris Hemsworth. It's just, it's fun and rewarding to get to go do that. So I've I've super enjoyed this one so far. I don't think I'm I don't know if I'm leaving anything out, but those are some of my thoughts on on phase one of the MCU. Before before I wrap it up, I will give you. So I've been ranking these as I go on. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'll give you just I'll just list off my ranking of the uh, movies from phase one. This is the order that I have them in on my rewatch, and it's a little different from I had ranked them before I rewatched, and this is a little bit different. I have Incredible Hulk last, then I have Captain Marvel then Thor, then Iron Man 2, Captain America, Avengers, then Iron Man is what I have. So that is my list. Um, it's probably a little bit different than most people's. I know I'm not, I'm not generally in consensus with kind of common agreement, but uh, certainly let me know what you think. If you're also going through this movie adventure, uh, let me know what your thoughts are. How do you rank the Phase 1 movies? 
and uh, very excited to get into <laughs> get into phase two and let you know what I thought about Thor the Dark World next week. In fact, I think after we get done recording this podcast, I'm going to go try to put that one in tonight. So that is, that's the latest update on Cody's big old movie adventure. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. All right, no. All right, let's move from there into the twisted world of Seth Ott's mind. I'm going to have to live there for a second in this week's Hypothetical. What you want, what you want, what you gonna do? And what you gonna do? Tell me what you wanna do. Hypothetically speaking. What do you got for me? Last week we talked about uh, that uh, Mark Hamill is going to be the voice of Chucky uh, for that's coming out in a few months. And so it's kind of interesting. That's, that's probably is something that a lot of people would have, um, you know, come up as like a dream type of casting thing with his voice acting. Mm -hmm. So that leads me on this one here to uh, you, you can have your dream cast for an actor or actress into a horror franchise to play an iconic horror character. When you do that though, it will eliminate all the other movies at, from existence that from that franchise, and uh, this will be the the basically kind of just the first film in in this franchise essentially that this is the origin. What actor do you choose, and what movie franchise or what horror franchise do you choose? Okay, so a couple things burst immediately to mind. I'm not going with any of the masked the masked killers, and because mm-hmm. that, you know why cast a good actor in a mask i have the first one that came to mind i'm really excited about so i want to save that for just a second there's one i'm trying to cast okay so i've thought of i got two i got two that i think are really cool but i definitely have a singular answer for this these are both stephen king adaptations because of course the one that i'll I'll call my honorable mention that i think could be pretty sweet and stay with me on this melissa mccarthy as Kathy Bates' character as Kathy Bates's oh. character in Misery. <laughs> okay. That I think that would be a I think that would be a chance for her to really stretch it out, and I think she could pull off that creepy fucking lady. I think she could do that. Um, I think that would be very fun, and I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I think that could fucking happen because Misery is due for a remake. Uh, as as little, would... as little as I want it to be remade, and I I've not if I've seen Misery, it's been years ago, so I don't I don't have an attachment to that movie. Okay. Um, of course, that launched Kathy Bates's career, but you know she's had her career, so I, I don't mind changing it. If 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 a new updated, you know, if, if one came out today with uh, with Melissa McCarthy and we had to lose the original one, that that's okay with me because I think I think honestly she could pull it off. I think she's shown that she's got some chops, and I think she's got a creepy fucking face uh, when she wants to. So I, I think that could be very good. But my official choice, and this this hit me like a bolt of lightning right away, and. Mm. And I think that this is awesome. It, it pains me to give up The Shining because I do think that it's a great movie. But I think to to I would give up The Shining to get a to get a, a version today that is the official canon. Hopefully, they would keep it more in line with the book, which I love. And I want to see Christian Bale as the main hmm. character who was originally played by Jack Nicholson because hmm. Christian Bale can pull off, you know. Uh, kind of every man, regular guy, but then as American Psycho is one of my favorite roles of his, he can pull off insane, scary fucking killer guy. So I think he would eat that up, and I think that would be a very good movie. If they were to redo The Shining, I would absolutely want Christian Bale in it. And as much as I love The Shining, 
I would trade the existing Shining to get Christian Bale in that role. Absolutely. That's my pick. I'd watch that. I'd watch the fuck out of that. There's probably some more. I was trying to think of a, um, I was trying to think of someone to do Freddy Krueger because I think that's a character that someone could really bite into. The anarchist in my brain would <laughs> Jack Black as Freddy Krueger. Um, <laughs> give him a chance to be a little bit scary. I think that could be maybe like, um, what if Rami Malek played Freddy Krueger? They could make him up. And to be scary, he's got creepy fucking eyes already. <laughs> I think I think he could do that. This is a fun question, and it's one that I would love to spend an hour on. But if I have to pick just one answer, give me Christian Bale in The Shining. I love that question, though. What, what about uh, Michael Caine as Freddy Krueger? Hello. I'm <laughs> <laughs> in your dreams. <laughs> Welcome to my nightmare, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> <laughs> This, that's a good one. That, this might be one of your better hypotheticals so far. I, I, this is a fun one. I, like I said, I could spend an hour on this one. We're going to move here into uh, some trailers. And it just occurred to me, I thought we had a trailer sounder. I thought I made one, but I don't think I did. I know I did one. I did one for reviews and spoilers. That's what it was. I didn't do one for trailers. So no sounder, but we do have a trailer to talk about. And it dropped like the day after we recorded last week. So it's like a week old now. But we're going to talk about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker trailer. Oh, I thought we were going to watch the second Ugly Dolls trailer. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) No, we'll do that one next week. I'll I'll let you go first on the Joker because I do have some thoughts. But I want to hear what you thought. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I... This this is definitely down my alley. It looks like it's going to be much more of a character study, uh, psycho-looking <laughs> movie. Joaquin Phoenix looks fucking creepy. He is skinny as hell and looks like he's fucking morphing his body. And uh, it just looks like it's going to be insane and very dark. And and uh, like there's a point even where like I felt bad for him. He gets hit by a sign and like he's kind of like sad and crying looking and then you kind of even see him in the trailer like break and and start to go insane but like it just seems like they're gonna go really really deep into his character and and kind of show how he has gone from you know someone you might have a little sympathy for to someone who just goes completely off the deep end and uh, Joaquin Phoenix is just an incredible actor uh he's he has insane range and yeah, it's I'm I'm very excited for this one. This one has jumped up my list. So, uh, yeah, definitely down my alley, and I'm I'm very excited for it. I agree with you, dude. I am stoked for this, and I it's it's a funny thing. I agree with everything you said, and Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is going to crush this. I really do, mm-hmm. based on what I've seen. I like that they're changing up they're changing up the Joker a little bit. They've his mom is a character in this, and so there's going to be <laughs> yeah. some creepy Bates kind of stuff in that that looks just super unsettling. There's still, you know, it looks like he's still got a, a life as a clown, uh, maybe doing some stand-up comedy, which is kind of an allusion to, I think, the killing joke and that that um, that origin story. So I, I am psyched for this. I agree with what you said, too, that he, he looks sympathetic for at least a portion of this trailer. And to have a true anti-hero, I think, in this would be very cool. 
to present mm-hmm. the Joker as an antihero for whom we have sympathy and for whom we're going to root for a portion of this movie, I think is awesome. And so everything about this trailer, I love. I'm stoked for this movie. It, you know, I've seen great trailers put out shitty movies before. So it's, you know, I, I'm not going to anoint it uh, anything awesome yet. But so far what I'm seeing, the way that he does his smile with his fingers is so goddamn creepy. And I, I'm amazed <laughs> no one's done that yet. The the way that he's got the paint and he's, you can tell in a couple shots of this trailer, he's got the painted on smile, but he is not smiling in some, mm-hmm. like he's like frowning or looks pissed off or looks dangerous, but he's got the smile painted on. And that is so unsettling. I think he gets into that uncanny valley with a portion of this that is so just, ugh, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. I am psyched for this movie. I think, you know, I, I'm not always for the dark, you know, dark for its own sake movies, but in this case, it looks fun enough that I'm actually very, very excited. More than I was before this trailer, absolutely. Uh, Really stoked to see this one. Let us know out there what you thought of the trailer for Todd Phillips' Joker coming out this October. Uh, Also, don't forget to hit the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. Jared did a reaction to this trailer as well. Uh, We're going to link to that in the description box so you can check out his thoughts. Uh, And I I was watching this actually just, uh, I think, last night. And he agrees with a lot of what we're saying. So I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people out there are really, really excited about this Joker movie. And I'm very interested to see. There, of course, will be a lot of debate this fall about where Joaquin Phoenix uh, lands in a ranking of all the Jokers that there are. Um, and we'll see whether or not we participate in all that. But uh, I think he's got potential. And I'm, I'm, for one, I'm very excited for it. Joker comes out this October. But let's talk about a couple movies that came out this April. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do some reviews. <laughs> Mom? What do you think? I love it. I hated it. So there, there are a couple. <laughs> there are a couple of these that we both saw, and uh, let's go ahead and start there with uh, the horror movie. 2019 uh, seemingly is, is. How do I want to put this? Early in the year seemed like it would be a very good year for horror. We, we had some early reviews for some things, some trailers for some things that people are a lot of excitement about. We've got three Stephen King adaptations coming out this year. We got the first one already, Pet Cemetery. You and I both saw it this weekend. It's a remake of the late '80s version, and uh, I'll go first on Pet Cemetery. I thought this movie was enjoyable. I, I I'm not I'm not over the moon about it. I think it's got its issues, um, but for the most part, I thought this was a very I, I want to say basic, but in a good way horror movie it, it just all it did was show up gave you some good scares and got you out it's under two hours it, it paces very quickly which i think helps this movie the the main character jason clark is i don't know how i feel about him necessarily but he does a serviceable job as the main character here i think they give you some there's a couple kind of heart you know hearty heart-wrenching moments here with the subject matter and there's a really interesting philosophical question of would you do what the main character does in this movie? And I think that's the most interesting thing about Pet Cemetery. But I think what the update does is gives us a fresh look without changing much of the story. There are a couple major changes, but I think it really can just be boiled down to just simply an update of a movie that was already good. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's not anything that's going to make my top five or so for this year, but I had a good time at it and I did enjoy it. I thought it provided some good scares and was solidly put together. Well shot, uh, some decent performances in here. So I'm, I'm very middle of the road, but I'm going to edge toward, I loved it. What did you think? 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, actually, I everything you said there. Um, <laughs> you, you know, it was uh, nothing nothing that I hadn't seen before in a horror movie. Um, it, it's an interesting premise overall. I mean, just like with uh, deals a lot with like grief and 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 like I said, philosophical questions of you know, would you? I think everyone knows the general. I mean, general idea of Pet Cemetery. If you've seen the trailer, um, you know it can bring bring things back. The cat is like the big the big thing, and uh, you know, so that that uh, that idea of like, would you would you not bring it back is is interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just you know it it I, I was hoping you know going in, I was hoping for a little bit more of. Uh, Th- you know, like a, a thought-provoking type of stuff in there, and I didn't really get much of that. Uh, I like because it was interesting coming into the week. You know, like this time last week, last Monday or Tuesday, the reviews were like nine in the ninety percent for the movie. And by the time I went to see the movie on Rotten Tomatoes, it was like sixty, so mm-hmm. it dropped pretty considerably. And you know, I, and I had seen more reviews come out say, you know, it's it's good, not great, and 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 that's about what I you know felt. I you know again, I was hoping for a little bit more depth to it, and and you know, what I got was a pretty typical horror movie, but still fine. You know, not mad. I went to it and, uh, you know, Stephen King has, there, there's, there's some interesting or different flavor out of Stephen King movie than you get with most other horror movies. Like there, every day I've seen that trailer for that, that cursive la 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 that's coming out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think it's just, la, la, la. that's, that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> but, but, uh, and that, that's, that's like that put a, put a, a prototype for a horror movie or put a, you know, a template for a horror movie and that's it, you know? So at least Pet Cemetery has a little bit more, a little bit more heart to it, a little bit more distinct flavor to it. Um, and, and so I, I enjoyed it. Not mad. I went to it. I, I, I would, I would side with the, I love it. There it is. I think so. A couple of things I would highlight. I think um, John Lithgow is great in this. Yeah, it made me that. miss him a lot. I, I want to see him in some more stuff. He does a great curmudgeonly old man, and an also a great sweet old man. It really made me want to read the book because there's some there's some mm. things in here that allude to things I know were in the book but aren't really mm-hmm. expound upon. And so um, I, I'm going to put Pet Cemetery on my list of uh, of audiobooks to check out on AudibleTrial.com/soka where I can get it for free. yeah i i did enjoy it i think it's i think it's so rare that we see a movie that is squarely in the middle when it comes to horror there's great horror you know Mm -hmm. people talk about hereditary and and uh and the witch and like this this high-minded a24 horror and then there's dog shit horror uh but there's there's very rarely something that's very squarely in the middle where it's like yeah that was pretty good and this is exactly that. So if you're a horror mm-hmm. fan, if you're a King fan, or if you like the original Pet Cemetery, I would recommend going to this. If you're not a horror fan, you know, uh, it's it's not something to, to come come climbing out of the out of the woodwork for your first horror movie on, I, I wouldn't say. Do you, you think that's pretty ap- accurate? It's a fair assessment. Um, also, I'm... Uh... I'm a little sad though that they didn't have any homages to the original Pet Cemetery where that the actor fucking fell out of the bed and just smoked his head. Have you seen that? <laughs> I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. Oh my god! I there's like a video on YouTube where they loop it or whatever, and it's the guy like ah, screaming like he's startled out of bed or something, and when he falls out of bed, he just absolutely demolishes his head on a side table, and I really <laughs> wish they, I really wish they would have. 
like alluded to that just like had a little easter egg on or whatever in in this one but um yeah it's like a real thing too like the guy actually did that and and they kept that in the movie because <laughs> it <laughs> was kinda, so gnarly it's kind of like tom cruise and his, and his broken leg um <laughs> yeah. i'll see if i can find that video and i'll link to it in the description box so folks can watch this oh, guy bash funny. his brains out oh it's great <laughs> Let's move uh let's move to another movie, one that frankly I have some similar things to say about. Um this is DC's newest Shazam. Uh Zachary Levi plays the titular character, effectively big. We have a teenage boy who can Shazam his way into a grown male superhero body and uh kind of do his thing. Seth, I'll let you go for first on this one. Yeah, I I think I enjoyed this one. I had a I had a better time with this one than I did Pet Cemetery. You know, it's uh, like I said, Zachary Levi. He he's he does a gr- I think he did a great job as as Shazam. Um, very believable, uh, kind of like a uh, you know he pl- he's playing a, a kid in an adult body type of thing. I did kind of have issues with uh, a little bit with a noticeable difference between like how he acts and then how uh, the actual Billy acts. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of difference in like their personality. I, I would have liked a little bit more of a consistency with that. So with uh, that, do nothing... you think, do you think that, so this is the way I was described. I was talking to someone else about this and I described it this way. Zachary Levi's doing very well as a teenager in a superhero body, but not mm-hmm. this teenager. You know what I mean? Right. It, it doesn't seem like right. they met at bad times. Yeah, like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I, yes, but at, at times there's yeah. a disconnect. I, I, I'm picking up on that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of an issue a little bit, but I did. Uh, I thought overall he did a good job. He was he was believable. Um, in terms of like the like the other parts, you know, other other members of the cast, um, the kid who did play Billy was good. Uh, Freddie, who is his friend, uh, like his quote unquote best friend, his uh, you know, they they don't really know each other for that long uh, in the movie, but you know, he, he played by the kid from. Uh, from it, it who, yep. yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah, uh, he's the, the he, he breaks his arm in it. I don't, I can't remember his name. What's the character? That is uh, Eddie Casbrack, I think. Eddie, Eddie. Um, <laughs> but uh, he he is incredible in this movie. I he is he is really impressing me a lot. He was uh, of course in it, a beautiful boy. He was in as the younger version of Timothy Chalamet and Ding Dong's character. Um, and, and that was more of a, that was a dramatic role. And then this, he, he is just, he's, he's got some really, really funny moments. And he's also, he's got some really heartfelt moments too. Also got, I mean, the entire, the entire foster family was great. The, uh, little girl, Dar, Darla. Oh, the little black girl with the poof. Yeah. Yeah. She's adorable. Yeah, I, I don't she, know her name, pl- but yeah, it might be Darla. She put. Pl- she plays the youngest daughter of uh, Sterling K. Brown in This Is Us, and she's uh, she's really good in that show. She's really good in this. She's hilarious in this as well. Co- again, couple mo- like I think all of them have at least a little bit of a uh, you know kind of a heartfelt moment. I really liked uh, Mark Strong. Is that his name? Yep. I, I liked him for the most part. I mean, he, he he's a villain, so there's not a, especially a DC villain, so there's not a ton of depth. In, in his character, but I thought what Dr. Savannah is his name. I, I think they did a good job with him, though, giving a little bit more depth than usual. You know, they, they built a little bit of a backstory with him. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just a it, overall very, very fun movie. Uh, very funny. Um, there's There was jokes that didn't land 100%, but then jokes that really did. The one that made me crack up the most, and I think it was just because 
of I put myself in the situation of of the person, but uh, a moment where where Billy Shazams in a bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the guy runs out of it. <laughs> The the shazamming they use that to some comedic effect a couple times and some they badass do, yeah. effect and a couple others. Yeah, um, we're in the actual battle of it, and which is something they do in the comics as well. Is is the, you know the shazamming will kind of come into play in terms of combat and mm-hmm. stealth and all that stuff too. So really well done there. Um, I think really the only issues that I had were it'd be more of a spoiler, but kind of something they do at the end of the movie with the family. And then, um, and then I thought with in general, the, 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 the foster family, there were some points that they kind of could have expanded more on. And they, they just left, especially like some of the, the smaller, like there's, so you have uh, Freddie who's pretty well fleshed out and and is a big part of the movie. And then like the little, the little, uh, I think his name's, her name's Darla. But then there's a few other members of the family that throw in little pieces of, of like development with, but then they never expand upon. They just Mm kind of like, Oh yeah, you're there. So that, that kind of was just a little, eh. and then like I said, like we talked about too, the, the Zachary Levi stuff being a little bit different from the, the Billy Batson character as, as a teen, uh, but otherwise, like I said, very enjoyable, a lot of fun, cool action, decent CGI for the most part. There's a few times where it was noticeable um, and uh, yeah, decent, decent villain. So definitely uh, uh, this one, I'm lying on the I love it side. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you. I'm on. I'm definitely on that side as well. I think if I had to one word this charming, this movie is charming yeah. as fuck. It's. Mm-hmm. And maybe I was just more willing to go along with it than I am most, you know, hero movies. I'm usually Mm -hmm. more critical of these, but this one I was just in and it it does, it does tiptoe into total cheese more than once, but I was totally okay with that. The the family aspect, Billy and his mother was absolutely breaking my heart in this movie. They're the, some of the goofy shit that they do as kids, like it is, it's cheesy. It's a four kids movie, but I loved it. I mean, it just, it was, it was the movie that I needed to see that day, you know, was like, I, there are probably, had I gone in a different mood, would have hated it and would have probably trampled all over some of its shortcomings, but it, uh, it got in my heart right away in this movie and then stayed there the whole time. And so, you know, the little nitpicks and you mentioned a couple of them that I had as well. Um, don't really didn't seem to bother me in this. Uh, I just had mm-hmm. a really fun time yeah. at it and, and would re- recommend it to everyone. And I, that's, and that's, you know, it's like anything else. You're always going to notice things here and there. It's a matter of whether or not you can forgive them and still enjoy the movie. And this is one that I think gets away with, with, you know, a, a number of, 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 of minor things like that. But on the whole, I think this is a fun one for just about everybody is going to enjoy this one because they don't get one of the things that I liked that, I, I would have been okay with them expanding more upon was the the whole idea behind the wizards and their whole backstory. You know, mm-hmm. they, they gave me enough of it to be really interested and I wanted to learn more. I understand why they can't give that to everybody um, because it's less digestible that way. But I really did enjoy this one. I had a lot of fun. I laughed a lot and it was really sweet. It made me feel very good when I left. And today <laughs> we always talk about how especially like oscar movies are so depressing it's 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 not common that i walk out of a movie feeling very good and uh this was one of them absolutely mm-hmm. i would recommend it to everybody I, I loved it yeah and none of the nitpicks i had really none of them deterred me from the movie i, I had a right. deterred um they <laughs> they uh you know the the 
things that could have made it more of a critically well done movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like we talked about, you know, kind of the opposite of, and I even thought about this while I was sitting in the movie, like I, my mind was off with this one. I just, I just sat back and had a ton of fun. Um, now I can look back on the movie and, and, you know, point out a few things here and there, but nothing where in the movie I'm like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I wasn't sitting there like, eh, they wish this was, you know, a, a little bit more depth. I, you know, I didn't care when I was in the movie. I didn't care. I was just having fun, you know? So that's, it was exactly what I wanted out of, out of a, especially out of a Shazam movie. Yeah. Totally. The, the amount of just goofs in this, I found myself laughing very hard in my theater. Mm-hmm. Like all this stuff, like when they're, and it makes you think about being a kid. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why it connected with me so much because it made me think about being a kid and how I would react to the situation. And they put you mm-hmm. right in there with all the, all, they're pulling all this malarkey, like for buying beer and like hitting on chicks when he's this buff guy. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's exactly what I would fucking do. So it, it, Is- it, it definitely made you feel young. That's that I think would be the highlight. If I had to title my review of it, it makes me feel like a kid again, and that's why I don't. <laughs> Is malarkey the word? <laughs> Finally. Yeah. <laughs> that's the first it. time I heard you say it. Oh, I've, I had said it. I think twice before. Um, okay. So the, the social yeah. universe is screaming out <laughs> of you, but you got it. You got malarkey. Yeah. This week's uh, this week's code word. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way. We're, we're both recommending Shazam. Uh, go in, remove your critical hat and just go in ready to have a fun time. And I promise you will. Uh, Shazam is a great time. We both recommend it. That is probably the most goofy, you know, ha fun movie that we're going to talk about for the rest of the day. But we do still have a couple more <laughs> reviews for you. Let's go set to one that you saw. And uh, you've got a couple of them that I have. And I'll let you pick which one you want to do first. I'll talk quick about the, the documentary I watch. This is something that... Anyone can watch if you have a YouTube premium account, and that's uh, this is a documentary. It's gotten a little buzz recently. It's the it's called the Boy Band Con, the Lou Lou Perlman story. I think it's Lou Perlman. So this this one is, and I've been I I do really enjoy enjoy documentaries. I, I'm mostly into the pop culture ones, things like that, especially learning about things that I knew about um, or things that I was interested in uh, growing up. And this one especially was so. Uh, it's it's about Lou Perlman, Lou Perlman, who is a uh, manager for pretty much every boy man you can name back in the day, uh, minus you pointed out 98 degrees. Um, I don't think he managed 98 degrees, but really <laughs> everyone that you can name a Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, uh, O-Town, I mean, everyone. Uh, I mean, he tried for many times after he he hit it big with i mean backstreet boys were the first ones that he you know managed and he got them to to huge heights and then in sync and and all that and and some people know who he is uh because of the boy band stuff i mean he was credited with discovering these people and then also credited with kind of putting them at odds against each other and just becoming very very wealthy based off of these these bands but the interesting part of the story, I mean, that that's what draws you in as this boy band stuff. But the interesting part really is once they, they they go over this boy band stuff really quickly within the first half hour, but then they dive into this guy and dig into what what made him infamous in a way in, in his other business dealings, uh, what got him into the game. Because when he discovered Backstreet Boys and, and Sync and all that and made them famous, he had already he'd already gained a bunch of wealth. He was already very wealthy. 
the means to how he got to be wealthy is the interesting part and how really sleazy and, and just huge dirtbag of a person he is, um, not just with the boy bands, but with his other business dealings. So it's super interesting. It, it unravels in a really cool way. Um, again, I only knew kind of on service level that this guy was a, a sleaze when it comes to the comes to the the boy band stuff, but all the other stuff is it's just insane how he got away with all this um, over. I guess he, he kind of started doing the stuff in the seventies and eighties, and, and how he got away with it for all these years, even prior to the boy band things. And really, it's the boy band stuff that kind of got people digging into him, but extremely smart businessman who got away with some real, real shitty stuff. And, and that's the interesting part of this documentary. So would absolutely recommend checking out, you know, if, if you're just a fan of, of, you know, the boy band stuff and learning more about that. Cause they do go behind the scenes. Uh, pretty much everyone from those two major bands is in it. Um, other minus your, you know, Justin Timberlake. He, he wasn't a part of it. I, I don't think uh, Joey Fatone was a part of it either, but um, everyone else was. It was. I think it's made by Lance Bass and and people around him too. So it's got a lot of inside stuff in it. A lot of old home videos that people never seen before. Um, a lot of interviews and and voice recordings that you never heard before. So it's really cool that way. Um, and then you know if you're not a fan of the boy band stuff, um, just in general, like hearing about uh, a pretty insane businessman and and um, some unbelievable stuff that you that you probably be pretty shocked by. So I would hundred percent recommend this, especially if you have YouTube premium, you have no reason not to, uh, if you don't have YouTube premium, I think you can sign up for free for like a week or month or something. Uh, it's worth checking out. So would recommend that documentary, uh, wholeheartedly. It's a, it's a, I love it for sure. <laughs> this is one, you and I were shooting the shit about this before we started recording and, and I'm, I'm in, I'm going to check this out of YouTube premium. And, uh, that's a humble brag, but, um, the way this ties into a big part of our childhood was in sinker backstreet boys. Like people would ask you that for no reason mm-hmm. and, uh, getting a little bit of insight kind of behind the curtain on that stuff is, is interesting to me. So I'm definitely going to check this one out. Seth gives it a recommendation. He loves the boy band con. You can get it on YouTube premium. Also, um, just worth the price of admission alone is Aaron Carter and his complete lunacy. Now <laughs> he, he is, he is 100% a crazy person now in his life. So, just, just to see how nuts that guy is for the five minutes he's in it is worth it alone. So, <laughs> Aaron Carter's all over it. There you go. <laughs> let's go. Uh, let's go to one that I saw. Uh, the third movie I saw this weekend is The Best of Enemies. This is Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell, who star as a black female uh, activist and a KKK president who are forced to come together to decide the issue of school segregation which in one is which? in the early 70s. Taraji is the KKK. And, no, that's, okay. that's wrong. Um, <laughs> this is an interesting movie. It deals heavily with race uh, relations. It is, it's based on true shit. So it's uh, early 70s in Durham, South Carolina, or Durham, North Carolina. I think it's Durham, North Carolina. And this movie has been getting mixed reviews. Um, and frankly, I have mixed things to say about it. On the whole, I will say that I enjoyed this movie. Um, it provided me with some some very emotional moments uh, at a couple points throughout. It's got, I think, a good message that it's trying to tell. And it is just, I don't know, it's, 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 a, it's not such a deep movie that it's going to affect you, you know, for a long time after. Uh, it's very palatable. 
I guess is the way I want to say that. And so it's just kind of a nice movie to go see. That said, though, I did have a couple issues with it. Um, I, lo- I I went in very excited for the performances of Taraji P. Henson and uh, Sam Rockwell in this. Um, the criticism that I would have is I think that at times in this movie, for the most part, they're doing very well. I think at times they stray into the realm of like almost goofy or almost caricatures of these people, right? So like, I don't know, Taraji's just got a couple times where she's a little over the top with her accent, it seemed like to me. And Sam Rockwell is a little over the top with some of the stuff he says or like the way he'll like hitch up his drawers seems a little like, you know, like cartoonish. So they they strayed into that just a little bit, just a touch too heavy into those characters for me. It didn't seem, it seemed like they were exerting a lot of effort at times where I I would have rather have seen it more effortless and more watered down even if it seemed more simple to me, but it seemed like they're really trying for I'm a Southern, you know, a black woman and I'm not going to (laughs) take any shit from you. Like, and then he's like, well, I don't like these Negroes around here. Don't come around my house. And it just, it seemed, it seemed almost cartoonish at times. And I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Maybe that's how it actually was, but it seemed like, you know, stereotypical, for both characters, they they really make an effort in this movie to not. How do I want to say this? They don't want to tell you in this movie this person is good and this person is bad. Um, they they really want you to sympathize with both characters and with good reason. They want you to do that. Um, it's not so. It's not very heavy handed with look how bad the KKK guy is and look how great she is. Like she's got flaws and he's got redeeming qualities. I appreciated that about this movie, but I know that there are going to be critics and people that will tell you that it makes it seem like they are making the KKK member played by Sam Rockwell more redeemable than he should be. And I totally understand that. It's very hard to make a KKK member redeemable, but they're trying to do that in this movie. And the thing that I appreciate about that is they're not spoon-feeding us what to think. They're, they're giving us positives and negatives about each character and allowing us to see them as they are rather than, you know, that's the bad guy over there. That You know, they, they don't really do that. And while some people would tell you that that harms the movie, I, I appreciate the effort I don't know that the execution of it was great because at times it did feel like they were trying to get me on Sam Rockwell's side more than I felt like I should have been. And so while I, I, I like the choice and I like the effort, I, I think that at times, again, they crossed over into just a little too much of doing that and it kind of pulled me back a little bit. That said, I think the movie is very poignant. I think it has a lot to say. Um, it, it, it's, it's not too much of a thinker. It gives, every, it gives things to you pretty simply. Um, it does allow you to draw some of your own conclusions and to sort of see the other side of some of these issues. So I, I think I'm, 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 I'm just, just hardly on the, I love it side of this. You're going to hear a lot of criticisms about this, about whether it responsibly handles the issue and things like that. And I think there's room for a movie like this that gives you, gives things to you simply and doesn't have to get into all the depth. Green Book is another example that we've seen recently of this, where some people are going to complain that it doesn't give these issues the the gravity that they deserve. But I'm not going to condemn the movie for that, because I think there's room for a palatable version of this stuff. But I think at times, again, it just goes a little bit into the realm of the cartoonish and the 
cartoonish is actually just the way I would describe it. It goes a little bit into that realm, but it has some great heartfelt moments. There are some great scenes for each of these actors and the overall message and the story of the actual two people is actually very interesting. So uh, on the whole, I enjoyed this. I would recommend it to folks. It's not going to be for everybody. And I totally understand some of the criticism that it's getting, but I did enjoy it. So I'm just on the side of, I loved it. Interesting. Yeah. It made me cry. It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to cry in a movie and then say, I didn't like it. It's, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a difficult thing. So if it, it, it connected with me in an emotional way more than once throughout the movie. And so, you know, it'll do that and then it'll do something very basic and silly. So it, like I said, it's very down the middle. Um, but I, I do, I do recommend it to folks. Uh, maybe it's one that you wait for to see on Netflix or on DVD later. Um, you know, I'm not urging you to spend $15 on a movie ticket for it, but I, I did like it and I do recommend it. So certainly let me know what you thought of the best of enemies. Uh, you can hit me up on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael and, uh, Seth, we got one more movie to review. This is frankly a movie I've never fucking heard of. So yeah. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are. Gotta say, I didn't hear about it until about a week ago when I was scrolling through the, the voodoos, but yeah, the, so this one, this movie is called a vigilante. Uh, this was, it's on Voodoo. It's kind of one of those like early release uh, VOD type of movies. It, it had a limited release uh, in theaters and then it was released on VOD. So this one, it stars Olivia Wilde. Uh, Olivia Wilde, she, she's a vigilante in that she, um, she's not like hunted down by the cops or anything like that, but she's, she is uh, hired by people kind of like she's she's not paid a lot of money but she is hired by by it's women who have been in abusive whether it be emotional or physical usually physical abusive relationships and they want their significant others gone uh not killed she she draws a line of like i'm not going to kill them but i will make sure that they leave and that they um, do not come back so kind of how she's introduced now the the thing that about this movie is that there's not a, really a bunch of like fighting or a bunch of like action. There's there's a few things where you see her kind of attack someone or um, she's training or she's like hitting a, a punching bag. But really, the the movie is more way more of a of a character study. It's definitely an independent movie. Uh, it dives into in into the you know your the the domestic abuse and and violence and and emotional abuse type of things. Um, it's, it's much more about that than kind of what I, cause I did watch the trailer before I went into it and it did kind of look more of, it did look like it was going to be like more of a, a fighting or not fighting, but at least the kind of have some brutal moments. And there really wasn't a ton of that. It, it was way more of a, a deep dive into the, the, uh, domestic abuse type of thing. Um, as, as the story kind of unravels, you find that, uh, Olivia Wilde's character, Sadie, I think is her name. She's, she is, uh, the reason she does this is because she's been involved in that before and, and um, some really uh, uh, traumatic and uh, tragic stuff happened to her uh, when it comes to the domestic abuse. So uh, she has taken it upon herself to never feel like where she's, you know, being uh, less than or being controlled again. And now she wants to help protect those who can't protect themselves. And that, that's where the vigilante stuff comes in. But it's her story, though, really, first and foremost, and uh, it's, it's, uh, dives into her past kind of gradually as, as you see her helping people out, they kind of do some flashbacky type stuff and, and dive into her story and, and, uh, give more, more of why she's doing this and get, gives her, her drive and things like that. So that, that's really interesting. It's a really interesting character study that goes into the domestic abuse stuff, which is, you know, it's good that there's more of a light 
shined on this. It's it is based kind of more in reality uh, than most vigilante movies are. Um, you know, they keep it simple. Um, you know, she's not like a tech tech wizard or anything like that. They they have her nice. They have 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 a nice have her do a nice job of of covering tracks and things like that too. When they do show the vigilante portion of it, but um, the the most interesting part is her as uh, as in her in her life and her backstory. Um, there are a few moments too once it gets into that type of stuff that are um, kind of like your uh, moments where you're holding your breath and you're you're you know, you're, you're concerned for what's going to happen to her and things like that too. So that's interesting, but yeah, it's, I think, I think it's a really well done, very simple yet, um, deep movie that, that the rules of the, the world that she's in are very simple, but the, the way they go into this character and the backstory is pretty deep and, and it tells a very difficult performance for Olivia Wilde. She, she is, she definitely has to go to some places in this movie, uh, that probably wouldn't be fun to go to as an actor, but she does a really good job of it too. So, um, it's, uh, probably not a movie for everyone because it, it can be triggering for those who've probably dealt with that before, but it's, uh, interesting, definitely acted very well, directed well, has a cool style to it. Um, when there is a little bit of fighting and things in it, it's done well too, but, uh, overall, a very, very well done movie. I, I enjoyed it. Glad I had a, uh, took a chance on it and just rented it on VOD. So, um, definitely on the, I love it side. I love it for this one. What a week. What a week. We had all I Love It movies, all getting recommendations, uh, which is tough in a week where we, we saw five movies, uh, six, mm-hmm. six, five movies between the, the two of us. We're going to link to Does the Dog Die, which is a website that deals with trigger warnings. So uh, I'll link to that below uh, the, a vigilante in our reviews. If you want to check that movie out, make sure you check out Does the Dog Die first. Uh, be aware of any of those triggers. And uh, this sounds like a very cool kind of sneak find uh, i i'm intrigued by this story and i, I do love olivia wilde so olivia wilde so uh this is one that uh admit i i, I probably will never get to honestly um but mm-hmm. uh, it does sound very interesting and i'm glad that you enjoyed it it's always good to find one of those that uh you know that, that you kind of stumble upon that's enjoyable all right so with all of our five movies don't forget to check out the description box where you can find links to the youtubes at jared buckendall for jerry's reviews for pet cemetery and for shazam uh for all the movies we mentioned don't forget to hit us up on twitter at underscore cody michael at seth Owat or at soco show pod let us know what you thought of all of these movies and man does it seem like we're starting already to get into the summer film season uh, and and with avengers endgame coming up they're going to start coming at us fast and furious Tokyo Drift after that. So a lot of movie reviews uh, left to come. Yeah, we're going to talk about family. Mom, uh, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. <laughs> That's never my not family gonna... disappeared. Where's my family? They dusted away. <laughs> I hated them. <laughs> All right. Well, with the end of our reviews, that's going to bring us to the end of our show. But before we go, got to talk about one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. We talked last week about WrestleMania, and WrestleMania has come and gone. And we had uh, several hours <laughs> on Sunday night of, uh, I think, pretty good wrestling show. Uh, I, I, this is the first time I've watched WrestleMania without you, Seth. Uh, it was a very, <laughs> very strange experience for me. Uh, on my end, but I, I did enjoy the show. Thought there were some good matches, some good showmanship, even if it were a little bit long. Uh, what did you think of WrestleMania? It seems like it was a pretty enjoyable time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I 
I mean, it's wrestling, so I'm going to enjoy it no matter what. Uh, um, but no, some really, I mean, this this year was, was great. And I think we talked a little bit about it last week, but um, there was some just outstanding moments this year and and they had really set up for there to be a lot of cool moments this year and and they delivered on on many of them most of which the the two main ones were uh and we talked about like the women's main event um the first time ever i I thought that even though there's kind of a botch in that one they kind of screwed up a little bit of it still cool moment overall for that to headline the show and and they they put the titles on the the main star the the person that's been kind of uh driving things forward recently in Becky Lynch but the, the the moment that was easily the coolest and I know you agree with it with it is uh they the first ever uh African American WWE champion um they they, <laughs> they they had a really cool moment they've been they've been building for a couple months now with this guy who's been been a wrestler at the WWE for 11 years and has never been looked at more than as more than kind of just a, a guy on the in the middle of the card and and He's been building steam recently, completely organic, and they they put the title on him. They they it was just a moment that I'll remember forever. Um, definitely had had some tears in my eye. I know you did too. Absolutely. Um, so it, it was just it was just a really really cool moment on so many levels. Whether it be for I mean the main one is of course race, and they're, they're finally putting the you know, it's not the main title, but it's one of the main titles uh, on on this guy. It's it's the title that's that's been you know, it's been it, it, it over the years has been the main title. You know, you guys like Stone Cold and The Rock and Hulk Hogan and all those people have held this title before. So for the first full full black champion to to hold it, it's it's really cool. But then also for you know for me it was it was cool because I you know I've seen this guy from the day he debuted to now and and uh, it, eleven years is is an incredible journey for someone to 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 go from you know, the, the middle bottom to the middle of the card to all the way to winning the, one of the main championships on the biggest show, you know, of the year. It's, it's really cool. So, uh, I was very happy with that. If you don't, I mean, a lot of our listeners aren't into wrestling and that's fine. If you, if you ever want to watch anything related to wrestling, find yourself, maybe I'll find and I can link to just a a YouTube clip of the after that he won that match. Cause there's so much emotion in that. And I, I love wrestling. I always have, but I, I'm not as big a fan as some. But I was standing up and ro- and whooping alone in my apartment. I was crying my fucking face off when he won. <laughs> they get his family out there in the ring, and they get his his best mm-hmm. friends were there with him uh, to mm-hmm. give him the belt. And every- oh my god, I'm I'm tearing up just thinking about it. It was an amazing moment for Kofi Kingston. And uh, if you can, I'll, I'll try and link to it in the description. If you can watch it, watch it. Uh, WrestleMania is one of those things where it's it's very rare to watch someone to be able to see someone definitely achieve like the thing that they've always been working for. And WrestleMania is one of the one of the few places where you actually get to see that happen. And it was very cool in this instance um, to to get to see that happen for Kofi Kingston. And uh, it was also a great wrestling match too. You know, oh, so yeah. it, it was, awesome. it, you know if you're if you are into wrestling, I think you appreciated that match. And uh, if you if you're not, you can at least appreciate the moment. But uh, WrestleMania was good. There have been some criticisms about the show being long, um, yeah, and about some of the matches um, weren't weren't as elegant as as people had hoped. But you know, I think on the whole, uh, I would certainly give it positive reviews. You know, it's it's hard to put on a six hour show that's perfect. Yeah, it it was. I mean, if you watched 
from the quote unquote pre-show, which had matches on it, which it was seven and a half hours by the time it was done in one setting. I think I calculated uh, between that and they had the Hall of Fame the night before, and then uh, the night before that they had their 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 developmental promotion. They they always put on a show um, during the big big events. I think I watched like fifteen hours or so of wrestling between <laughs> nice. the three days. So it was, it was heaven for me. I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's, you know, I kind of go in and out of wrestling in the year throughout the year. Um, so we probably won't be talking about wrestling much <laughs> until this, uh, maybe this time next year, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is nostalgia and, and, you know, making me think back to when I was a kid, but I still love it. I mean, I'll always love wrestling and, and it's cool that this, this big event happens every year, every year, because like, I think I saw a tweet, someone tweeted that said, I didn't realize that how big wrestling was, you know, until this time of year, time of year happens, you know, people, I think they compared it to like, I don't remember exactly what they said, but like things like uh world of Warcraft or, you know, world of Warcraft or, whatever like horror films and instead it's wrestling fans are more more like the amount of fans are like fans of dogs and pizza like (laughs) you know like like it's just like it's a huge thing and you don't realize it you know people you know people don't really come out of the woodwork until this time of year um but you know people are huge fans of it whether or even just like casual fans they you know they still you know keep an eye on it it is a big thing and most people at one point in their life have been a fan of it um, so it, it's cool. It's really cool to see. Absolutely. And I, my, my, like I was super into it as a kid and then went away from it. And now I appreciate it even more now than I did as a kid because I understand the difficulty behind it. I think you shift throughout your life from being like, these are superheroes doing everything to, you know, these are men, but they're doing things that are very incredible. And you get a different, it's the way that you appreciate it that shifts as you get older and as you understand more about it. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, great show WrestleMania or WWE fans. Um, if, <laughs> if you like me signed up for a free trial of the WWE network in order to watch WrestleMania, don't forget that you have that, uh, it's cause you're going to get charged <laughs> next month if you did, if you don't forget. So, uh, remember, I think I'm going to hold on to mine. I want to, I like some of the classic stuff that they have on the WWE network. So I think I'm going to hold on to my yeah. $10, $10 a month subscription, but, uh, yeah, WrestleMania, great show. Uh, if, if you watched it, uh, let us know what some of your thoughts were. If you enjoyed Kofi Kingston or if you enjoyed the uh, Becky Lynch finish, let us know on the tweets uh, what you thought of the show. But we were excited and, uh, you know, check out check out a little bit of wrestling highlights. And WrestleMania is a good place to start if you're curious about how, how the WWE works. So make sure you check that out. This is our one more thing this week. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to do it for episode number 89 uh, don't forget to nine. check out nine. Don't forget to check out the description box. You can find all of our uh, contact information, links to the stories and videos that we talked about today. You're gonna find the information for our friend over on the YouTube's at Jared Buckendall. Jared's doing a lot of stuff over there. He's giving away some John Wick DVDs. We're gonna link to his video so you can go enter into that giveaway. Uh, actually, Blu-rays. I said DVDs because I'm old. Uh, but if you want to yeah. own the first two John Wick Blu-rays in advance of Parabellum coming out next month, uh, make sure you head on over to the YouTube's at Jared Buckendall to check out that giveaway. John Wick Chapter Three, Lady Antebellum. <laughs> What's the? Uh, I'm a little drunk and I need you now. That's their song. I wonder if that. Is it? I wonder if that appears in the song. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's them. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Well, you don't know Lady A? Come on, man. Get with the times. <laughs> I know Lady B. <laughs> oh, my God. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We're going to get you out of here. This has been episode 89 of the SoCo Show. Make sure you come on back for episode 90 in seven days. This has been Scarlett Cohansen. And for Seth Ott, we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Ding, ding.